October is National Health Literacy Month, highlighting the importance of making health information easy to understand and the healthcare system easier to navigate. On today's episode of What's Next, we speak with Tara Schaefer, Executive Director at Literacy New York Buffalo Niagara, and Brittany Trinello, the Interim Executive Director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center, about the population that lacks literacy and how it affects their everyday lives. We will also discuss literacy in general, the importance of neighborhood libraries, and the dangers of censorship. And what are Tara and Brittany's favorite books? All of this and more on What's Next. First, the news. This is WBFO News. The ninth annual 43 North Business Competition Finals will be on stage tonight at Shea's Performing Arts Center. Tonight's event follows a year-long effort that started with nearly 1,000 applicants that were narrowed down to 15 competitors for Wednesday's semifinals. Eight businesses, including one from the United Kingdom and one from Canada, have been selected to compete at tonight's event. Five will be chosen to receive a $1 million prize and assistance in growing their businesses in Buffalo. Tonight's event begins at 6. A Buffalo man faces charges for allegedly attacking a school employee. According to the Erie County District Attorney's Office, 39-year-old Darnell McIntosh entered the school office of an elementary school in the city of Buffalo in September and pushed a school employee to the ground. Then McIntosh is alleged to have pushed a student to the ground and punched and kicked the victim. McIntosh is scheduled to return to court October 24th for a pretrial conference. He faces a maximum of one year in prison. Salman Rushdie is set to release a memoir about the onstage stabbing attack last year at the Chautauqua Institution that left him permanently injured. Titled Knife, Meditations After an Attempted Murder, the book is slated for release April 16th and will detail his experiences in the aftermath of the public attack. Hadi Matar is charged with one count of second-degree attempted murder and one count of assault and is expected to go on trial in early 2024. Rushdie was left seriously wounded after the attack in Mayville last year, spending six weeks in the hospital and losing vision in his right eye. The Wyoming Board of Supervisors has approved the creation of a countywide ambulance program. The decision was prompted by the cancellation of the current agreement with Monroe Ambulance. Monroe Ambulance cited staffing, low in reimbursement, and inefficiencies due to the distance of Wyoming County from their headquarters in Rochester as reasons for cancellation of the agreement. WBFO did reach out to Rebecca Ryan, board chair of the Wyoming County Board of Supervisors, and she says volunteer agencies across the county have traditionally provided ambulance services to residents and will continue to do so. And earlier this week, What's Next aired a conversation that focused on the story of Jamel Pritchett and how he was denied admission to Hilbert College. WBFO did seek comment from the school. However, due to some communication issues, the Hilbert response was not available prior to broadcast. While their policy is not to discuss individual admissions decisions, a statement from Hilbert pointed out, quote, this process has also resulted into the successful admission and matriculation of at least two-thirds of the applicants who have undergone this type of admission review. Additionally, the statement acknowledges, quote, that a technical error led to an automatic erroneous message about admission before our committee had reached a decision. Hilbert promises adjustments have been made to avoid similar errors in the future. This is WBFO News. 
I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White, and my guests today are Literacy Buffalo Niagara Executive Director Tara Schaefer and Brittany Trinello, the Interim Executive Director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center. Brittany and Tara, thank you both for being with us today. Thank Thank you you for having us. So before we get into the heavier stuff, and since we are on the topic of literacy, what is your favorite book and why Tara, we'll start with you. Okay, so my favorite book is The Art of Possibility. It's a nonfiction book by Xander and Xander, a husband and wife. And it's a book about leadership. It tells amazing stories throughout. And I would say it's about leadership in very different scenarios. And the book is extremely inspiring. And it's one of my favorites. I go back to it time and time again. I read it in my master's program 20 years ago, and it stuck with me through and through. And so I give it as a gift often to people that are maybe just a little stuck in life at times. That's great. And Brittany? Uh, My favorite book is The Alchemist by Paulo Colo. Um, I read it first in 2018. I was going through kind of a hard time, and I just found it to be very inspiring. It's about a journey, self-discovery, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I recommend it to all all my friends and Although I have many favorite books, so that book is actually somewhere on one of my bookshelves. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, I <clears throat> I saw it the other day. I saw it the other day. And your really favorite good. book, Thomas? My favorite book is the Lord of the Rings. Um, when I was a child, I read The Hobbit, and as I got older, I got into Lord of the Rings. Um, the first movie came out on my nineteenth birthday, um, so. Tolkien's works has, have been with me since I was about eight years old. I have a body littered with tattoos that are Lord of the Rings and Hobbit related. So that's awesome. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's that. a life it's a lifelong, and I all I'm always coming back uh, to it, and and just that the the lore in that world, the world of Middle Earth. So yeah. that's great. Um, so. We are on the topic of literacy. We're on the topic of uh, health literacy. Um, but on the, uh, just on the general literacy side, um, according to the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy, 36 million adults lack basic literary skills in the United States. <clears throat> in Erie County, that's 18 percent of the adult population. Uh, Tara, as, as the executive director of Literacy Buffalo Niagara, how do you feel when you, when you read that st- statistic? I feel very overwhelmed, and it makes me 
really happy about the work that we do. It reinforces the work that we do at Literacy Buffalo Niagara, but it's such a huge challenge. I mean, this is a major issue going on in our country, and it is a little overwhelming. So sometimes we have to take a step back at Literacy Buffalo Niagara, know that we can't solve all of the problems all at once, but the work that we do is one-on-one with our students. And so we're really changing lives one student at a time. And this month, the month of October is International Health Literacy Month, uh, and Literacy Buffalo Niagara is collaborating with um, the Erie County Department of Health and Brittany, your organization, uh, to educate the public about the importance of health literacy. Uh, Brittany, how how does literacy or a lack thereof play into into healthcare? Yeah, so health literacy is how well a person can understand and interpret health information and then make decisions based on that. And literacy plays a role in a variety of aspects throughout the healthcare process. So whether you're reading discharge papers or even a medication label, um, it's about how, how well are you able to interpret what, what was written there. Um, and on top of that, too, uh, how well was it explained to you? in the first place. So if you have context clues, you might be able to figure out what's written. But if you don't, um, or you know, you have a really low literacy level, then you might not be able to take your medications properly, engage in self-care related behaviors, manage chronic diseases. There's a lot of different ways that literacy impacts the way that you take care of yourself. Now, how do the, how do the two of you come together? Because this is, you know, I'm, I'm doing my research and I'm like, well, how 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 does this how is this working out? How did this come together? So I'll take us back a year. We yes. were approached by Erie County Department of Health regarding Health Literacy Month, and we've had a great longstanding relationship with Erie County. And since we are uh, one of the premier literacy organizations in the community, they asked us to approach literacy from a different angle, which was awesome. And we had never really considered that before. So last year was our our first year working together and collaborating. Uh, we did a few events together. But this year, we wanted to take it to the next level. And we really wanted to add on organizations that are doing amazing Amazing work in the community, such as AHEC, and their focus, which I love, is health literacy and that health equity piece. And, you know, we don't really bring that to the table at Literacy Buffalo Niagara, so to speak. So bringing on these other partners, it's just been incredible. And getting to know Brittany and the work that they're doing at AHEC, it's been inspiring and very educational. So let's go, let's let's stay from a year ago. Um, For you, learning about health literacy. Take me through that process for you. Yeah, so our focus has always been foundational literacy, whether that's reading or speaking. And I will tell you, to be perfectly honest, what we started to see coming out of the pandemic was a lot of our students being completely challenged with the environment we were living in when there was a health crisis going on. And when you really had to sort of navigate your health Um, importance through um, digital mechanisms. So whether that was trying to get tested for COVID or sign up to get your vaccination, we were starting to see some of the effects of health literacy coming out of the pandemic. And we thought to ourselves, wow, we need to do a better job of of co-mingling this with other organizations in the community. And it's been a great learning process for myself, for our organization. We were very grateful to recently receive a grant from the Highmark Blue Fund 
end that is going to help us expand this health literacy work that we are doing. And for us, it's helped us to receive further referrals from other organizations on individuals that need help with their general literacy. So the learning process for me has been incredible, and it's opened up some expanded programming for our organization that I never thought we would see to fruition. What kind of expansion are we are we talking about? Yeah, so one example is we're going to be working with the Oshai Children's Outpatient Clinics to establish literacy corners in their waiting rooms. And what we will be doing is setting up a really comfortable area in the waiting rooms for families to entertain themselves before they have to go in and, and see the doctor. And we're going to be having books in those areas where the families can take those books home. And we're going to have information, of course, on AHAC and all the great work that they're doing. We're going to have information from Erie County Department of Health. And we're also going to have information on the literacy services that we offer at Literacy Buffalo Niagara because we know that 147,000 people in Erie and Niagara counties struggle with low literacy. I love the idea of having like a, a, a section for kids to read because I – when I was growing up, there was nothing I loved more than to walk into a doctor's office or a dentist's office and just see like a stack of Sports Illustrated's or something mm-hmm. right there. It's like, you know, I can buy my time. I can keep my mind off of whatever I'm going in there for, tooth cleaning, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that's super important. You brought up, Tara, yes. a, an interesting uh, aspect. Just the, like the digital effect because, yes. you know, for me, I'm so used to and we were talking about, hey, do you have any uh, hardcover books in your house? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All, and, and just that that being able to uh, being able to navigate these digital spaces is is incredibly important. It absolutely is. And it has become another area of program expansion for our organization. So last fall, we launched a program called DigiSkills. And that program, uh, what we do is we go out into the community and we have open hours. Uh, Currently, right now, we're Wednesdays 1 to 3 at the Central Library, where individuals that are having a hard time navigating something digitally can come to us and we can help out. We also have a program that we can enroll our folks in that are interested in more help. It's called North Star. And that is a program out of Literacy Minnesota. It is fabulous. There's an initial assessment that you take that helps you understand where you're lacking in in digital skills. Um, But digital health is so important. Mm -hmm. It includes telehealth, online booking of appointments, online portals and health records, uh, providing results of pathology and diagnostic tests online, using your mobile phone app to manage chronic conditions, tracking of blood sugar levels. There's so much there. And if you don't have the access or the knowledge on how to do that, your health is going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The Department of Health has its five things to know about health literacy. Um, we're going to go through them or can we go through them as we move along? Um, I mean, what do you, uh, Brittany, what's one of those things that you think of when we talk about um, five things to know about health literacy? Um, one of the things that I think about the most is um, being able to ask questions of your provider, um, really making sure that you're leaving the doctor's office with an understanding of what you need to do. So 
Um, I can't recall the five things off the yeah, top yeah. of my head, but <laughs> uh, one of the things that I always talk about in health literacy trainings for community members is uh, ask me three, which is three main questions for your good health. And it, they're very simple, and there's resources online. You can download them for free. You can print them out. We've given them out to provider offices in the past. But the three questions are, what's my main problem? What do I need to do? And why is it important that I do it? And, you know, in the past two, so I've been with AHAC for almost seven years now. And when I started, uh, you know, that was when I learned about health literacy. And I had to go out and train providers and community members on it. While at the same time, like I was struggling with my own health issues. And when I learned about that trick, it really changed things for me and how I was able to communicate with my providers because they were telling me all of these complicated things using, um, you know, really complicated medical jargon. And, you know, that's tough for any person to understand, especially when you're stressed out or going through something. And, you know, most people struggle with health literacy at some point in time, but especially when, you know, you're going through something on your own. And, you know, just being able to ask those questions and having the doctors explain things to you in plain language, in layman's terms, is really one of the most foundational things for for health literacy, in my opinion. And Brittany, the type of programming you do at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center, or AHAC? AHAC, yes. AHAC, <laughs> um, is, is very uh, specific and important for health equity. Um just tell us a little bit more about that and then the um, – well, not the partnership with Erie County. Just tell us more about um, the the programs you've got going on. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a couple programs that are focused on health equity, um, and health literacy is embedded into each of those programs. So the first one I'd like to talk about is actually our birth equity project, which arose because of the dramatic maternal health disparities experienced by black and brown wa- Uh, women, not just in our community, but across the United States. So our birth equity project, we started in the summer of 2022. So we're in our second program year, and it's funded by the Health Foundation of Western and Central New York. And it aims to educate and empower women during their birthing experiences by connecting them to doulas. Um, We also train community doulas and support women and infants throughout the prenatal and postpartum periods. So uh, We have 60 moms in our program from the community. Um, They're all connected with the doula who teaches them about pregnancy, teaches them how to advocate for themselves, what to expect uh, throughout pregnancy, labor, and delivery, and then also providing support in the postpartum period. So the moms are in our program for up to a year postpartum. And as I said, they're connected with the doula, but we also offer a lot of educational programs for them. So I think it was literally last week I did a health literacy training for our moms, um, and we were talking about how they can advocate for themselves. But we also work with the doulas. Um, One of the strategies for improving health literacy that a provider can do is called the teach-back method, and that is an evidence-informed intervention where the provider is asking the patient to essentially explain back to them what they just heard from their provider. So that allows the provider to check for any misunderstandings and re-explain things. But doulas can do that, too. Even though they're non-medical providers, they are still coaching, they're still educating, and they can use the teach-back method to ensure that their moms understand what the plan is. So our birth equity project has had some really great numbers coming out of it so far. Um, We're just a year into the program, but... uh, you know, 80% of them had no complications during pregnancy and childbirth. 
Uh, 80% of them ended up breastfeeding, which is really huge. And then uh, 80% had a vaginal delivery versus a cesarean, which is also really great for health outcomes and health equity. Uh, cesarean rates are really high um, in both in, in within uh, maternal health locally. So um, in addition to the Birth Equity Project, we have a we have a program that's specifically focused on teens and teen health literacy, and that's called PATCH, uh, Providers and Teens Communicating for Health. And I actually ran that program for the past three years prior to the role I'm in now. And we taught teens how to essentially teach other teens how to mm-hmm. take care of themselves, how to advocate for themselves in the doctor's office, teaching them about what their health care rights are, how they can be respected, and you know what are their responsibilities when it comes to taking care of their health. And many teens just don't have that knowledge. They don't know that they have health care rights. They don't know they have rights to confidentiality. Uh, they don't know that they can you know, have privacy, that their doctors don't have to tell their parents everything. Uh, because if they think that they're, you know, whatever they tell their provider is going to get back to their parents, they might not share things right, that are really right. important for their health. So uh, we have a group of teen educators who are teaching teens, but they're also teaching providers how to work effectively with teens and how to respect their rights and how to make sure that they're building good relationships with teens. Uh, so so this, these are teenagers? Yes. Teach- yeah. How I does know. that how, how, how do you, <laughs> how do you make that work? Well, first of all, Teens are incredible. If you've never had the pleasure of working with teens, they are wonderful. I've only been one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, Patch is actually a curriculum that we have. um, The program initially, uh, it originated in Wisconsin. And we were, Buffalo was the first site outside of Wisconsin to take on Patch. But now they're all over the United States. Um, They even just had a recent training in Saipan. So um, it's a great program, but there's a curriculum. The teens learn a lot about teen health issues, but they mm-hmm. also have a lot of say in what they learn. So teens know they know themselves best. They know Every, they have a voice as well. Yes, they have a voice in how the program is run. So they have a voice in what they're learning. Uh, they do have a script, which helps with the actual workshops. Um, but we teach them how to facilitate those workshops like the site coordinator for Patch, we're just there as a support. We introduce the teens and we let them go. And they share their own stories. They're really passionate about it. Um, honestly, it's incredible to see them uh, go from maybe not knowing so much about health to really being advocates and resources for their peers. Uh, and the provider workshops are amazing, too. All the providers love hearing from the teens and really getting that teen perspe- perspective. So all of this falls under health equity and health literacy. How does a a lack of basic literary skill impact a person's health? Sure. It it impacts everything. So there is, there's a huge um, need for literacy assistance for many individuals right now. And I think that um, for those that struggle with low literacy, it can be very intimidating to navigate the healthcare field. So it may impact them even going to see a doctor at times. And I think it also impacts when you do go see a doctor and you receive all of that paperwork and mm-hmm. it's a lot and they use a lot of language that mm-hmm. is incomprehensible to most of us. Right. Um, you can see someone that might not follow up on their medications the way that they should or take their medications the way that they should. We, um, 
we were introduced to a story many years ago at Literacy Buffalo Niagara about a woman that had received paperwork and was going into surgery. And of course, you have to sign off on paperwork before you enter into surgery. And she couldn't read the paperwork. So she signed the paperwork, had the surgery, and then realized after the fact that she actually had a hysterectomy and did not realize what was oh happening. Oh, my goodness. I must have heard that. So there is so much that can go wrong there when you have mm-hmm. low literacy and you're trying to navigate the healthcare community. And I think that the doctors do the best that they can, but everyone falls under regulations and requirements that they need to follow mm-hmm. for insurance purposes and what have you. And then you find these situations of these tragic stories of individuals like this woman who had a surgery that she had no idea she was embarking on. And, and Brittany, yeah. you touched on it a little bit um, mm-hmm. with with the birth birthing. Um, who Who is this impacting the most? What groups are most likely to experience uh, limited health literacy? Yeah. So there are several groups that experience limited health literacy. Uh, actually, the number one group who's most at risk are older and elderly adults, 65 and up. Why um, is that? Sorry, what was uh, wh- that? Why is that? Um, there's a, a variety of reasons. Um, you know, different access to education for uh, older and elderly adults, changes that happen through the aging process can, you know, change how you're un- interpreting things or understanding things. There's a variety of reasons um, why say the 65 and up population are most at risk. But that's that's the one that always surprises people. Um, other populations, obviously people with limited English proficiency, at least in, in the United States, um, people with lower educational attainment, um, you know, they tend to have less knowledge of how the body works. Um, people of my, uh, different minority groups, so black and brown women specifically experience a lot of um, issues with being listened to in medical spaces. Um, and then, oh, I'm Yes, uh, and people from lower socioeconomic groups as well. And that leads to, as uh, Pastor George Nicholas says, you know, uh, you know, lower um, social determinants of health. Yes. And this is acting as low literacy is acting as an invisible barrier mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, we've got about four minutes before we break. Tara, I wanted to ask you about your. Uh, Buffalo News, another voice column that you wrote um, last last month, right? September, yes, yes. actually, just a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, along with um, improving health outcomes and healthcare safety and quality, uh, you, you said um, health literacy also reduces health disparities and healthcare costs. How does that work? Yes. So what we're finding is that um, many individuals are instead of taking care of themselves proactively when they have some sort of health crisis going on, they're going to the emergency room. And this happens time and time again to the cost of $238 billion a year. So you talk about someone increasing and enhancing their literacy skills. It will automatically help them navigate health literacy. And you can see some of these costs that can go down. So if individuals... Um, start getting the help that they need, which is not hard to which which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to admit that you have low literacy, right? Like that's that's not easy to do. But we create an environment that is non-judgmental, welcoming, and inspiring and empowering. And so, for individuals that come to us that need that help, 
and don't go to that emergency room every time they need to. You're talking about incremental change where we can save up to $25 billion a year um, in terms of health care costs. Say that word. Say that. Say that again. $25 billion a year. $25 billion. Wow. This is What's Next? I'm host Thomas O'Neill White talking literacy and health literacy with Literacy Buffalo Niagara Executive Director Tara Schaefer and Brittany Trinello, who is the Interim Executive Director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center, AHAC? Yep. AHAC. We will be right back after this. Join Buffalo Toronto Public Media for an unforgettable evening filled with music, food, nostalgia, and laughter at our Lights, Camera, Action Senior Prom. We'll roll out the red carpet just for you during an event specifically designed for our region's older adults. Mingle with others, dance to your favorite tunes from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, enjoy delicious cuisine, and get your picture taken at our photo booth. Visit wned.org slash events for information and to RSVP. Now We're Cooking Live is back Monday, October 23rd, starting at 8 p.m. Four talented local chefs will be cooking their signature dishes live in our studios. Chef Jess Paul Bath from India Gate, Chef Rin Supankamut from Rintai Bistro, Chef Fred Terrell from Wegmans, and we welcome back Chef Stephen Foreman from Time & Honey. Attend the show in person with tickets from Eventbrite or watch this local live special on WNED PBS, YouTube, and via the WNED PBS mobile app. Theater lovers, Buffalo Toronto Public Media is saving you a seat this January. Travel to New York City with Anthony Chase of WBFO's Theater Talk and see five hit Broadway shows. You'll stay in the heart of Midtown, tour theater exhibits, enjoy meals at famed Manhattan restaurants, and more. This exciting trip takes place January 22nd through the 26th. Call 716-630-3731 or visit wned.org travel for more information. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And this is What's Next, Thomas O'Neill White talking literacy and health literacy with Literacy Buffalo Niagara Executive Director Tara Schaefer and Brittany Trinello, the Interim Executive Director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center. Uh, Tara, you had a little bit more to say about your column in the Buffalo News that ran a few weeks ago. Yeah, so there's two other things that I wanted to mention. The first is that in the work that we're going to be collaborating on with the grant from Highmark Blue Fund is working with the Oshai outpatient clinics to help with some of that paperwork that could be difficult to navigate for individuals that struggle with low literacy. And so we're really excited about that, about tackling that paperwork, taking a look at it, even if it's some of the template information that can be reduced to a, a lower reading level that could be helpful for individuals. Um, and we're hoping that's a pilot that we can take to other physicians, other healthcare networks. So we're super excited about that. And the second thing I wanted to mention was our digital literacy program, again, um, in that this is something that has come out of our health literacy initiatives. And this is a program that we're 
taking on the road and also offering at the Central Library. Um, but today, we happen to be um, at the Dale Association offering up a six-week program to individuals that are members at the Dale Association Um which typically serves the senior citizen population in Lockport. And so we're trying to touch on many different populations that would need that digital literacy assistance. And we have been inundated with requests. So if anyone is interested, please visit our website for more information at literacybuffalo.org. And this taking it on the road, is is it you're going up to Lockport, you're going to be there for six weeks? Um, once a week for once six week, weeks. Once a week for six weeks. Yeah. And you will be traveling other places as well? We absolutely will. So we're working on um, some further partnerships at this point. We've got some folks uh, waiting for us. It's definitely an area where um, I wish I had more team members that could assist and more funding. Um, but it's definitely something that's needed. And we're super, super excited about this. Uh Brittany, you touched on this, and I wanted to circle back about health literacy not just being a one-way street in that uh, it's not just on the the layman, someone like myself, Mm -hmm. um, to become more literate, although obviously we need to. But where do you see the health provider's role in bridging that literacy gap and using that playing language? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great question. And my perspective is that it is the provider's responsibility, it is their job to make sure that the patient understands what they need to do when they leave that office. Like that is their job. It is their responsibility. And I think it's really important for them to take that on and really recognize that when they are communicating with their patients. So there is, there's a couple strategies that providers themselves can use, which I'll start with, and then strategies that healthcare facilities in general can take on. So from the provider perspective, the first thing to start with is being warm, being welcoming with your patients, having that positive bedside manner. Um, You know, smiling when you walk in the room can make a huge difference in making your patients feel comfortable. Um, Getting to know them a little bit, just really uh, understanding what their preferences are when it comes to care, um, what their values are. The second piece is communication, so using plain language, using terms that everyone can understand. If your patient has, you know, a disease or something with no known cause, say that. Don't say idiopathic, which means the same thing, but sometimes, like, no one's going right. to interpret it that right. way. And the reason I say that is, like, that literally happened to me. A doctor's like, oh, it's idiopathic. I'm like, okay. I've never heard that word in my I've life. I've never. I, idiot what? <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know. Medical providers, they're steeped in medical jargon every day as part of their career, yes, as yeah. are many people. Mm-hmm. Every every profession has their own jargon, and you're in it every day. But when you're working with patients who, are not from, who don't have a medical background, taking a step back and just using everyday words that people will, that people will understand. Um, so that's really helpful. And then another piece to it is using the teach-back method. So the teach-back method is an evidence-informed intervention. Um, It's shown to be very effective in improving understanding from patients. And it's exactly what it sounds like. The provider is asking the patient to explain back to them in their own words what they need to know or what they need to do next. And if the patient says it back wrong or, you know, gets something slightly off, the provider Mm -hmm. now has the opportunity to re-explain. So, um. It can be a little uncomfortable to use that first, but the more consistent you are, 
the quicker and better you get at using the teachback method. Uh, Erie Niagara AHAC actually offers trainings to providers on the teachback method, um, and it is recommended by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality um, and the CDC. So it's it's a really great method. Uh, so those are things that the providers can do, and again, like really making sure that they're taking the responsibility for patient understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what healthcare facilities can do, there's a few different things. And Tara, you actually touched on one of them, which is readable materials, easy to understand materials. Um, so running any patient paperwork through like a readability formula, yes. um, helping patients fill out forms, again, like training all your staff on basically customer service, right? Um, positive interactions. I know probably everyone's been to a doctor's office and had some receptionist maybe not be the nicest to them. <laughs> um, and that just adds to the stress. You know, the story that you were sharing about that woman who, yes. um, you know, mm-hmm. had a hysterectomy and didn't know about it. In the video that I've seen that in, there's a man who's talking about how, you know, he gets really stressed and his heart's beating really fast because he can't read and he does, you know, he, he just walked out of the doctor's office. And so making sure that you make people feel comfortable and offer ass- assistance with, you know, reading forms, filling out forms, I think that's a really great initiative. I'm really excited about it. Thank you. Um, also making sure that the space is comfortable, um, making sure that it looks welcoming. It plays a big role in, you know, how patients feel when they walk into your office. Um, yeah, so there are there's many different things. The Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality has a universal precautions toolkit available online. Um, it's also called ARC for short. So if I say ARC, I'm talking about Agency for Healthcare <laughs> Research and Quality. Um, so ARC has a universal precautions toolkit online. Basically, the premise is you never know if someone's going to struggle with health literacy when they come into your office. There's no way to tell just by looking at someone. Um, only 12% of the U.S. population has proficient health literacy, and that goes out the window if you are stressed or scared about a diagnosis that you're receiving. So putting strategies in place that, you know, makes accommodations across the board so that you're not missing anyone because you're assuming that they understand you when they actually don't. So that's a – the Universal Precautions Toolkit is a great um, resource for healthcare facilities and for providers themselves – for uh, accessing, you know, guidelines for creating health literate organizations. Thomas, can I build upon that just for a moment? Absolutely. So another suggestion that I have for providers and facilities themselves is, um, so we're we're trying to do a better job at Literacy Buffalo Niagara of providing marketing materials to organizations and providers Mm -hmm. to let them know about our services Mm -hmm. and training the staff at those facilities and and in those doctor's offices um, to recognize when someone does have low literacy and what they can do about it, which is perhaps just a simple pamphlet on information that um, has more next steps on how to contact us at Literacy Buffalo Niagara so they can get the help. What we're finding is that um, it's not easily noticeable in those doctor's offices and in those facilities. Mm -hmm. But if you can train the staff and the employees to uh, recognize when that's happening and say, here's some further information if you think that you need some further help, I think that's that's an action that's taking place Mm -hmm. that is going to make a difference. How do you you spot those signs, though, if you're you're a provider and and you may not 
realize that someone may be coming in talking to you has low low literacy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, one thing is that when individuals are presented with paperwork, um, oftentimes what we'll see is individuals with low literacy, they'll uh, they will they will mention, oh, I forgot my glasses. Do you think that you could help me in reading this paperwork here? Um, little, just little signs there where you can where you can see it um, if you recognize it, but maybe you wouldn't if you don't know. Okay. Um, so that's just one example. And sometimes individuals will be very overt about it. Mm-hmm. No, I I can't read this, or I'm I have difficulties. But we at Literacy Buffalo Niagara want to make sure that we're doing a better job of extending our information and resources out there, so individuals can recognize that and say, "It sounds like maybe you need a little bit of help." I have a great organization that can help you. Instead of just saying, "Wow, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Let me see if I can navigate this with you," and then send th- send them on their way. Right. Yeah. Right. I do have some. Um, yeah. There are a couple other signs that providers and their offices can look out for in terms of patients who are struggling with low health literacy. So a big one is if they're never asking any questions, like that could be a sign that they don't understand. Um, other things include if they are skipping a lot of visits or no call, no shows, if they are waiting to seek treatment until an emergency, that can be another sign. Uh, so really just keeping an eye out for people who maybe aren't following the treatment plans as prescribed, like following up and making sure that they do understand what their treatment plans are, what they're supposed to be doing next. We haven't really gotten into the role the um, Erie County Department of Health has been through this. Can you um Shine a light on that a little bit. Yes. So most of these discussions started with post-pandemic, trying to help nonprofits and their clients um, understand maybe post-pandemic what we should be doing. You know, yeah. uh, vaccinations, making sure that we're still COVID testing, taking care of ourselves. And so Erie County Department of Health, they've been doing such a phenomenal job. I mean, through the pandemic, well, I shouldn't even say post-pandemic. I mean, we're, we're, still, we're still here. We're still, we here. still here. We're still here. But they're recognizing that they need to reach out to different nonprofit organizations that have so many different touch points in the community so that they can get their messaging out. And I think um, I appreciate that. I I think they've been very thoughtful about that. And so last year we started at probably um, a more scaled back level on this focus of health literacy, recognizing that there's wonderful organizations like AHAC out there and others um, adding them on this year. Um, They are recognizing that they can't do it alone. And it's so hard to get the messaging out there. Um, So they've been a great partner. We've we've discussed. I, I was speaking with UB students just the other day, and and they were talking about these collaborative efforts that that have been going on. And it seems like everyone I've talked to recently, I think maybe there's just this awakening that we no longer need to be siloed. We can no longer be siloed, and that these collaborative efforts are going to be a boon for residents of Erie County, mm-hmm. for residents of Western New York. Um, anything else about, we've got about two minutes before we break again, but anything else about uh, the Department of Health that, that you want people to know about? I would just recommend visiting the website for the Department of Health. It is full of so much information and recommendations as well. So if you have a moment uh, to do that, um, 
and, and you know, oftentimes I guess we don't. Um, but I've been on that website a lot lately, and um, they've got a tremendous amount of information there. Yes, and also on their social media, I know they're going to be sharing some tips on health literacy throughout the month of October. So if you're not following them or AHEC or Literacy Buffalo already, we'll be sharing that information out over the next few weeks. Yeah, and if you're perusing their website and you happen to click on um, uh, Health Literacy Month, you may find a What's Next episode from last year featuring featuring our very own Jay Moran. And this is What's Next. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White, talking literacy and health literacy with Literacy Buffalo Niagara Executive Director. I've have I been calling you Tara? It's Tara. It's Tara. It's Tara. Okay. Tara Schaefer. Brittany Trinello, the interim executive director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center, otherwise known as AHAC. We'll be back just after this. Hey, is this thing on? Test, test, one, two. Sounds great. Let's go. The podcast world is overflowing with more than 750,000 podcasts to choose from. But for great local podcasts, you can now go to one place, the new Amplify BTPM Pods app. Here you can discover content produced in Western New York and Southern Ontario, our own backyard. With a wide variety of genres to choose from, there is something for everyone. Listen to the best independently produced podcast in the region anywhere, anytime. Download the free Amplify BTPM Pods app wherever you get your apps and begin exploring your local podcast community now. Where do you go when you want news you can trust? WBFO, of course. And when you just want to catch up on the day's news, you can go to the WBFO Brief Podcast. Listen to the WBFO Brief every weekday wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you can always stay up to date with the news you need. The warrior tradition tells the inspiring, heartbreaking, and largely untold story of Native Americans in the U.S. military. Why would indigenous men and women put their lives on the line for the very government that took their homelands? A lot of people ask, why did you join a white man's war? This is our home. This has always been our home. And part of the commitment to protecting and defending your home led to military service. Hear stories of service and pain, of courage and fear in the warrior tradition, now streaming on YouTube. Explore the intersection of music and mental health with Mindful Music, hosted by mental health advocate and educator Carl Shalomorn. Listen to guests share how they use music to express their inner nature and manage their emotional well-being. Listen to Mindful Music on Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 8 p.m. on WBFO. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And this is What's Next. 
We are talking literacy and health literacy with Literacy Buffalo Niagara Executive Director Tara Schaefer and Brittany Trinello, the Interim Executive Director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center. Uh, Tara, you've got an event coming up. Please tell us about yes. it. Yes. So this is the collaboration between Erie County Department of Health and all of our wonderful Excellent. partners like AHAC. We're hosting a digital literacy workshop next week at the Central Library in the Collections Gallery Conference Room on the second floor. There will be signs all over the building to navigate you there. But uh, that is going to take place from uh, 1 to 3 p.m. And we're going to be starting off with talking a little bit about literacy challenges, low literacy. And if you find yourself in that situation, we're going to be offering some next steps on how you can get some further help with our organization. Uh, But then we're going to be opening up the conversation to digital literacy and specifically digital health and how important it is. And what we're hoping is that if individuals are participating in this workshop and they're feeling like they need some of that extra help, we're going to have our digital navigators right on site that will be able to help um, after the workshop anything that that individual would need, they can come see us at Literacy Buffalo Niagara. And they could even enroll into that North Star program that we would be offering, and that's that's free of charge. I know they're going to have giveaways at the workshop as well to the first 25 participants, and we're really, really hoping that we see a lot of folks there. I think it's going to be an incredible opportunity, not only for our collaboration, but also for individuals in the community that really need that help and want to learn more. And this is uh, at the Central Library? Yes, at One Lafayette Square. What are some additional resources that, I mean, you mentioned this event. What are some additional resources that folks can check out? Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, I mentioned this earlier, but Ask Me Three is a great resource that's available online. There are printouts in at least English, Spanish, and French uh, that people can print out and take with them to their doctor's office. Maybe they can print it at the library. Um there are also there's another health literacy organization called Say Ah, and they have print materials available for patients to use as well. Um, I think there are some great resources for learning more about your health. Um, I mean, I always recommend like the CDC um, mm-hmm. for health information. I think that they lay out information about different health concerns on their website very well. Um, and so that's what I would recommend. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the CDC. I never really checked anything out on the CDC before the pandemic, but during we were all working. Uh, right, you know. <laughs> and I find that to be such useful information. Also, just on the literacy side, individuals can visit literacybuffalo.org where we have so much information on literacy itself, digital literacy, health literacy, and there's also information on how to become a tutor. We offer a a one-on-one tutoring program, so anyone that's interested can become a tutor with our organization, and we offer um, digital literacy tutor opportunities, regular literacy tutor opportunities, um, so you can find all of that information at literacybuffalo.org. And we've got about 10 minutes left, and I actually wanted to circle back to just talking about general literacy and Tara, what your organization is doing. Tell me a little bit more about this one-on-one tutoring. Yes. So we are a 58-year-old nonprofit. We've been around a while and we have been offering this one-on-one program for 
all of that time. And any individual that is interested in becoming a literacy tutor can fill out an application online or they can come to our office, fill out an application in person. We offer all of the training to individuals that are interested in becoming a literacy tutor. There's an in-person component and an online component as well. It's about a 14-hour training. We take this very seriously. And we do ask for a commitment of two hours a week and a minimum of one year. And those tutors are working with adults, 18 or over, that are facing low literacy. And we have two different types of students, two different types of programs. One is for basic reading. So that is for individuals that are really struggling with reading words on paper. And then we also have a program for speaking. So we have English language learners. Um, We have students that are coming to us, refugees and immigrants that are really challenged with speaking English. And we offer that program as well. Do you see this tutoring program expanding um, just on the basis of the influx of refugees and immigrants coming into this area? I would say over the last 10 years, we have seen the expansion of our ELL program skyrocket. It's been unbelievable. And it's really heartwarming. I'm, I'm a literacy tutor myself. I have two ELL students. They're sisters. We work together weekly. And it's such an amazing experience to help someone um, that is struggling with speaking English. You can tell that they want it so badly. And I think we take that for granted as individuals that are proficient in speaking. And I I wanted to ask this question, just the do you take different approaches to tutoring children versus adults? What's the what's the difference there? So I can't really speak to tutoring children. That's not that's not the mission of our organization. Mm-hmm. I can tell you though that there are many statistics out there that show that if a child is not proficient in reading by the third grade, they are slowly going to fall behind for the rest of their lives. And we've got some pretty abysmal uh, reading percentages in terms of um, third graders and and their reading levels right. in this area and in this country. Yeah, and that has been exacerbated by the pandemic. It certainly has. And what we try to do at Literacy Buffalo Niagara is we want to avoid really having to serve adults later in life that have these challenges. We really want the focus to be on youth and ensuring um, that they are being uh, properly taught. We've got about eight minutes left. Um, I want to just ask you both what What's the main thing you want uh, to leave our listeners with today? Um, Tara, we'll start with you, please. Okay, I would love to leave with this. If we all could be a little bit more empathetic in this world, I think that we would be better off. You know, recognizing that um, someone is struggling, whether it's with health literacy, literacy in general, um, being an individual that can recognize that and maybe help someone, that can be completely life-changing. And so what I want to leave with today is if you've learned anything in this last hour about how you can help, whether it's becoming a literacy tutor with us or supporting the wonderful work that AHEC is doing or just recognizing perhaps someone in your life that is struggling with health literacy, Be that change agent. Make the difference. Help someone if you can, because we're all going to be so much better off for it. And Brittany? Well, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, compete with that. But that was (laughs) was really great advice. (laughs) Um, What I would like to leave listeners with is 
focusing on health literacy, like you are the person who knows your body best. You are an expert in your own experiences. And don't be afraid to speak up for yourself, advocate for yourself, ask those questions so that you know what you need to do to take care of yourself in the best way that you can. Um, Yeah, you know yourself best. You're the best advocate for you. Can you, um, again, kind of give a rundown of what AHEC programs you have at AHEC? Yeah, so AHAC, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but we're all about diversifying the healthcare pipeline and ensuring that current and future healthcare providers provide high quality care for the community. So we offer programs for high school students to get them interested and engaged in uh, healthcare professions. And then we also work with collegiate students to get them that community based experience, um, providing interprofessional collaboration. And then we do community and continuing education around health literacy and um, the teach back method and social ter- social determinants of health, excuse me. Um, and then our birth equity project, which I talked about earlier, connects expectant moms to doulas in the community for prenatal support, support during labor and delivery, and then postpartum support as well. And women enrolled in our program are... Uh, They receive stipends. We work with them to address different social determinants of health that they're experiencing, and they learn all about different topics related to, you know, being a parent for the first time. Uh, So things like safe sleep. Uh, I just did a health literacy training last week. Um, Breastfeeding support. But they also are with a community of moms who can relate to them and provide that social support because that first year after giving birth is such a difficult life transition, and it's made so much better by having people around you who support you. So we're really creating that community of moms um, and and all at the same time addressing health disparities for black and brown moms in our community. And so what what is next for you, Brittany? What is next for AHEC? Hopefully um, that uh, interim tag will be gone <laughs> after you walk out of this out of, out of this building. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Um, so we're, I mean, we're going to continue working to expand the pipeline, work more with students to get them, you know, engaged and aware of different healthcare programs that they can go into. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the PATCH program is a great extracurricular for students who are interested in pursuing healthcare careers. Uh, we're always looking for ways to expand our work. We're particularly looking to expand into Niagara County because we are Erie Niagara AHEC. Right. Um, and a lot of our work is centered in Erie County. And so we are hoping to now expand that work for both our birth equity work and our high school pipeline um, and our collegiate pipeline into Niagara County. So that's really what's next for AHEC. And Tara, what's next for the Literacy Buffalo Niagara? So what's next for us? We are working on our program expansion of our health literacy program, and we're very excited about that. So we'll be just signed the agreement yesterday. So we're going to be embarking on the next steps of that, going to be debuting those literacy corners at those outpatient clinics with Oshai Children's. And for us, our focus is trying to assist the 147,000 individuals that need literacy help in this Mm -hmm. community. We do that by advocating, expanding our funding, and having the privilege of opportunities like this to speak with you, Thomas. 
Well, it's a it's it's been a pleasure, and this is what's next. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White, talking literacy and health literacy with Literacy Buffalo Niagara Executive Director Tara Schaefer and Brittany Trinello, the interim Executive Director at Erie Niagara Area Health Education Center. And you are listening to WBFO and WBFO HD One Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown. Your NPR station, Tara and Brittany. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us.